what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we'll start with a quick article. You want to create that buzz and get your customers talking about you and your business. We have a quick article with some hints on how to approach your customers to get those testimonials without ticking them off. Our main topic today, you need funding and we want to show you the money. What are your options and how do you get it? Our guest is Ron Elmore, the Regional Director for the North Carolina Small Business and Technology Development Center, who will lay out the funding landscape and we'll see if he brought his magical money bucket with him. Finally, we'll end up with our Small Business of the Month feature and we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you need to be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who, again, I, I Gary, I don't know your official title anymore. It's like czar or dean or <laughs> dean you, know, you school. keep getting... Workforce Development and the Arts. Workforce Development and the Arts. It's, it, it does that... not roll off the tongue yet. It, but it will. WDA. WDA. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to work on that. We'll get it right by the end but of I'd the like year. But I like to say workforce development and the arts because it I, combines business and the arts. Which well, is I'm, I'm trying to elevate you to czar level, and you're, you don't seem like you I don't know how to spell czar, so I can't use that. Okay. Well, I hope that you're doing well. How are you? How, how's your Do fall going? My fall is going great. This moment in time, I don't know what will happen in 24 hours, but Wake Forest is 4-0 in football. The Panthers won. And my Eagles won last night by some fluke of nature. They, they, they did. We're here in late September on, on a Friday. They won a Thursday night game against Green Bay. So congratulations to you and the Eagles on that. And it's the way we usually lose, the way we won it. They were sitting on the one-yard line and couldn't score twice. Well, uh, you, you enjoy, enjoy. I so am. Anyway, anyway. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm, uh, this is my I favorite time of the year. I never asked you, how are this you doing? This is my favorite time of the year. I love the fall, and even though it's 90 degrees yes. here in, in, in western fall North somewhere. Carolina, at some point the leaves will change and we'll get some cooler weather and wear our, wear our jackets, it'll be nice. But anyway, uh, I was looking through my recent Inc. magazine, and uh, there was an article from uh, Soli Carr and getting your customers to help you get the word out, or more specifically, converting your customers into your business's evangelists. And, you know, these days when we think about marketing, you know, we, you know, there's certainly still a lot of traditional marketing out there, but so many customers will just go to their phone and they might look at Yelp or they might look at Google reviews or Amazon reviews from, from customers. So trying to get your customers to provide testimonials to you is, is something that can be very, very beneficial to your, your business. But uh, they lay out a few recommendations on how to approach that without, without irritating your customers. So I thought that would be appropriate to share. I think it's a, a great thing because we do talk about the best uh, advertising is your customers. You know, if uh, they're out there talking a good game for you, then you're going to be uh, much further along 
relying and getting some credibility versus you just talking about. I'll give you a really good example that just came up this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an article in a magazine talking about welding, not necessarily a specific company or whatever, but talking about welding and saying that people were uh, – did you guys see the article? It was in Atlantic was it, magazine. Was it, was it in welding today? Or no, it was in Atlantic. Was it? it was actually a political article. A political article. Going I, I, Talking you... about how people were falsely promoting the welding industry that you could make a lot of money in it. Okay. And, of course, we raised uh, our uh, – what's – we didn't go after anybody. We just said, wow, uh, we'll just talk about all the good things that are happening. Our welding program is the fastest-growing program in our college, and that's saying a lot because our college is growing. Mm-hmm. And people are coming out and getting jobs, well-paid jobs uh, in various industries all across the country. And, uh, in fact, one of the biggest challenges we have is keeping our students in school because the companies want our students before they even get their diploma or their degree. Well, the article went after and kind of went after the welding industry pretty hard. And it's people were falsely showing that people could make money and are talking about, well, the answer is they can do well. Uh, and we were trying to figure out how to uh, talk about it because it was near and dear to our heart. Mm-hmm. And Mike Rowe from 30 Jobs saw the article mm-hmm. and he went on a, a nice talk and handled it very professionally talking wasn't talking about people specifically but talking about the industry and um, instead of us going and talking about welding because it's you know it's best interest to us in our college uh, Mike Rowe went on and talked about the virtues of being in welding and all the technical skills well, and, 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 this, and this, so that gave much more credibility than we would have done it well and this fighting back. gives some way that maybe we could approach students that have been in the welding program that could uh, to say, hey, they've had a good experience, landed a good job, and, and would do that. So That's uh, exactly what yeah. we're looking at doing. Based well, on and that. you should be reading this very closely and, and use it was some tips. for me. And the, when you the number one is, you know, keep it legitimate in that yes. it doesn't need to be, a, it should not be a quid pro quo situation in that uh, it's not like you say, hey, I'm going I'm to give you a gift or give you something if you write a ni- nice testimonial. It really it needs to be sincere and, and, and genuine. Yes, yeah, so, exactly. So that's, that's number one. Number two, the article suggested that you need to give your customers the tools to make it easy for them to provide a testimonial, whether, whether that be uh, uh, samples or, or something that they can use to put on social media. Uh, there was an example of a company, Oraglow, that uh, sells teeth whitening products, and and they have an app that shows sort of a before or after, you know, to say, hey, use our product, our teeth are going to look like this, and makes it pretty easy for someone to, to grab an image and put it on social media. Third suggestion Quality over quantity. If you're going to ask people to provide testimonials, just don't throw out a mass email to all your clients. Really try to focus on clients that have had good experiences with your company and uh, get them to uh, engage and don't, you know, don't, don't just throw out mass emails. Try to focus on people that you know and people that you know have had good experiences and, and approach it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, be careful with big customers and that uh, you don't want to 
make the assumption that you can use a testimonial with somebody without their permission. You know, particularly with you don't want to irritate. I wasn't sure what that big, meant. Okay. You don't want to irritate your big customers. Well, that's and, true. And, and for sure, them come back and say you you know you use this without our permission. So you know, getting permission, particularly with big customers, is important. And the last one talks about. Uh, your ability to to laugh off rejection, and that if you're asking for testimonials and you're not and people are not complying, you know, don't let it bug you. And importantly, don't make them feel guilty about it because if you make them feel guilty, they might not come back to your to your company, buy your mm-hmm. service, buy your product again. So it, you know, you you sort of want to to be light and and not uh, irritate or make uh, your customers guilty if you're trying to get them to provide a testimonial. And and maybe next time, if you ask them again, maybe they'll say, hey, I didn't do it last time. I'm going to do it this time. So mm-hmm. so keep it light and uh, and approach it in that manner. Yeah, makes sense. But I don't handle rejection well. Well, you're going to have to work on that. You know? Okay. So, okay. All right. Anyway, so that's uh, some, some food for thought for our listeners out there. But uh, the main thing that we want to talk about today is something that is probably near and dear to to most businesses' hearts, uh, and that's funding. And uh, you know what the appropriate way to go about funding your your business or your startup would be. And we're very pleased to welcome our guest, Ron Elmore, who is the regional director of the Small Business and Technology Development Center here in North Carolina, and one of our partners. So, Ron, amen. Th- uh, thank you. Well, we want to welcome you to the Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here. Thank you, uh, Jeff Gary. My pleasure. Good to see his smiling face with us. It's always good Amen. to see him. It's been a beautiful day in North Carolina. Well, Ron, uh, as mentioned, works with the SBTDC, the Small Business and Technology Development Center, and you are also previously a managing partner at uh, Milestone Partners, and you work with privately held businesses in the Southeast and to raise capital, and you were in, participated in placing over $41 million in capital over uh, uh, three or four years. Uh, so you've, you've sort of seen it from uh, some different angles and, and whatnot, so we, we appreciate you joining us today. No, oh, it's my pleasure. Well, tell, tell us, before we get into the, some of the funding stuff, tell us a little bit about your role with the SB, SBTDC, What's what? What? Give give us a tell us what the SBTDC is and and, and what you're what you're up to these Thanks, days. Thanks, Jeff and Gary. Yeah, the Small Business Technology Development Center of North Carolina SBTDC. Uh, we're on the ground business consultants over 100 counties, 60 of us across the state that are talking to folks that either want to start a business or and a lot of our time is spent in current operating companies trying to help them grow. Um, our particular area here as a regional director is that we cover these 14 counties in western North Carolina from down to Gaston County all the way up to Ashe County. We have an office here in Hickory, one in Boone, six full-time counselors that are out meeting with business owners day after day. So um, we're just like you with the Small Business Center, uh, helping business owners really move the needle in creating wealth for them, in creating profit, and et cetera. And as the numbers play out, uh, we make a difference. Uh, the clients that interact with us and Small Business Center, as an example, perform better than those who don't. And so we have a lot of resources, tools, expertise to help them. And as you said, one of one of the, I would say, you know, top five things that we ask to engage is they have a need for capital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, taking a step back and sort of looking big picture these days in terms of the state of capital or the state of business lending, what's 
What are you seeing out there? I mean, uh, is there is there is there money out there? Is it uh, people sweating? What's uh, what's your <laughs> what's your sense of how uh, how how the capital uh, landscape looks? Right, it's a great great question, and here we are, 2019 going into 2020, and it's probably the most capital available in my you know last 16 years of doing this uh, for a lot of reasons. So you've got uh, disposable income folks that see investing in operating companies is a fine investment compared to other options, you know, et cetera. On the other hand, you've got this movement, which we have here in Western North Carolina, all the other cities in North Carolina, of entrepreneurship, entrepreneur ecosystems, you know, et cetera, which is fostering folks to be encouraged to start businesses. And again, various sources have then are available now that were not available uh, years ago. Uh, from angel investing to other, we can talk about those in more detail. But so, plenty of money. The dilemma is really the structure to attract the capital, right? So, why would I invest in you, Mister Business Owner? That's the shortage of that. So, plenty of money, a shortage of opportunities for the investors, and that's what we're here to try and help the listeners understand what they have to get ready before they ever talk to sources of capital. And, and when you say sources of capital, I, I assume you, you mentioned you mentioned angel investors, but you also do work with uh, banks and community lending organizations and, and those groups as well. Right. As you alluded to, there's various structures of funding a company. One could be equity, which <clears> is where you talk about the angel investors. These are people wanting to partner with you and invest with you in your company. Um, There are also those where we want, if you want capital that's of a debt structure, then there are multiple options available from the traditional banks and their lending, which is great for the investor because it's probably the lowest interest, um, therefore uh, easier on the cash flow perhaps, et cetera, and provides some line of credit, uh, credibility. You could loan, get loans later. But there's also uh, other sources of debt, uh, whether it be private uh, individuals uh, in the community that want to invest in that structure. But there's also micro lenders in our community, as you know, uh, Jeff, uh, that are sponsored by the United States Department of Agriculture or others, uh, Mountain BizWorks in our area, even over in Valdez, uh, the Vedic uh, community uh, mm-hmm. micro lending here, even in Hickory, uh, for early stage companies and things of that nature. So the key is having a plan before you step in front of the sources of money to identify really four major questions that we've got to get answered. So uh, you know, you're, you're you're talking about various sources and resources, and 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 we're talking about some that are local, but it, this is uh, I, you know most communities are going to have very similar resources uh, out there. Um, you know, one of the things that um, that I'm, I'm sure you deal with is is sort of looking at a company and where it is in its life cycle. Is it a startup? Is it is it a company that's got more experience and a track record and trying to connect them to the right source of capital? So, so can you speak a little bit to where a company's position is in its life cycle and how that impacts the sort of uh, funding options that they might have at their disposal? Sure. Um, and that answer has really evolved to be uh, changing even as we speak. Uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So if you're a 
an early stage company and you've formed your business plan, value proposition, um, and identified how much we always have to identify at least the four major things. One, what's my uniqueness in the market and why would someone even buy from me in the first place? Two, how much capital do I need? Right. Three, to use to use it for what? What is the sort? Why do I want this capital? What would it be used for? And three or four, if it's debt or equity and it's from someone that you do not know, a la bank, uh, other sources, uh, we call it other people's money, um, then how do they get that back? How could they get that return back? So as we all know, those things are a mouthful uh, in the world of business planning to be able to actually come to that conclusion as to how much money do I need, why do we need it, how will you get paid back, you know, et cetera. So well, in most cases, the people are thinking about an idea of the business, and they're not thinking about the finance side. Exactly. And that's where you And that's come where in the help and Jeff, Jeff and comes I, in. Exactly. exactly. The two organizations really sit down with that owner and say, all right, what are your current startup costs? All right. Um, what are the if there's we're moving into a building or we need a building then what are our upfit costs and those kinds of things what are our fixed costs going over the next number of months what are our variable costs what do we think we're going to be selling over X amount of months and years and then how does that precipitate into how much money do I need right uh, with that only with that planning do you really know. And, uh, and it's important, even when you're talking to the lender, even these early-stage companies, um, that you defend, if you will, why I need that amount of money you know, through your plan. And Jeff and I and our teams are very big on the creation of written uh, plans. Uh, call them business plans. We often call them financial plans because the front page of a financial plan says a request for capital, right? And it begins to answer these elephant-in-the-room questions mm-hmm. in writing uh, so that it can help the early-stage company. But so as long as, as far as life cycle, um, real important on the startups, let's just take as an example, that the business owner uh, has to have some liquidity to be able to start the company. Pretty awkward to ask someone for capital when in the second sentence they'll say, so what are you putting in it? Uh, so the answer has to be something. Right? Uh, more than blood, sweat, and tears? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the old, I've worked on this for 12 years, therefore sweat equity is in my balance sheet. doesn't get you capital, unfortunately. It does get you a business plan, perhaps, mm-hmm. and, and a very good idea that's been incubated, but you've really got to uh, put show that you have some liquidity or have put in the capital. Uh, secondly, then, in the early-stage companies, um, I'll say if it's in the less than, you need less than $20,000 to get started, then there are other, there are grants available uh, that could help you in this get started mode, uh, whether they be local grants, things from the state, depending on your particular, um, uh, if you're a veteran, uh, woman-owned business, those kinds of things might be available at that level. Um uh, but then again, uh, if you need you know more capital than that in debt, uh, then we would all together build a plan and go look for that capital and other sources. So, so now, now typically, you know, you know, people 
always ask me about grants, and, and it sounds like you did bring the magical money bucket with you. you know? So, so you know, we're going to... car. Okay, well, you know, Good so, deal. you know, caller number five, you know, we're probably going to provide a grant to. So just, you know, call in at your convenience, and if you're caller number five, you might get a, a lucky grant. But, um, you know, in my, in my experience, there, there are some grants out there, but, but it, you know, that's... They're usually not that large unless perhaps you're more of a... In a particular industry niche, you know, uh, tech, energy, and and to me, there are always a lot of strings attached to those to those types of grants. So, yeah. So so you know, generally, I try to discourage people from thinking that you know grants are going to be the way that they do. I mean, there 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 are a lot of grants out there for nonprofit organizations, but if you're a for-profit organization, there are certainly going to be some limitations there. Guaranteed limitations, and completely agree with everything you just said. Um, but sometimes the gap between I'm, I'm short of my down payment and things, and to your point, they're one-time things. They're long paperwork, and not uh, it'll be months before you might get an answer. So it's not not the optimum way to start a business. And, and there can be restrictions on how they're used, and that that you know it's not like you're just getting a blank check to go have your strategic planning meeting in Barbados. You know, you no, have to, conditional. You, yeah, right. you will do so. the following things, or hire X number of people, or whatever the, uh, the to your point strings they are attached to it. You will be monitored and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's not the optimum way to start. Uh, the optimum way to start is is to uh, have a plan, go test it in the market. Uh, and one of the changes, again, back to your stages question, that investors are now looking for is that you've actually gone out and with your plan and tested its viability against your targeted customers. It's called customer discovery. Uh, so you may get the question if you're raising capital anymore, like what have you done in the area of customer discovery to validate that someone, one, even wants to buy your product, two, will buy it at the price that you have in your business plan, uh, and so forth and so on, so that even if you have to demonstrate your product, have you, even with your money or friends and family money, et cetera, built a what would be called minimum viable product or prototype of your product so that when you are showing it to the market, they get a sense of what it does, why, why it would work the way it was, they give you the feedback, with all of that, uh, with your business plan, you have a much better chance of getting early stage capital than if you just had a plan. Funding a business plan without customer discovery is is not viable really anymore. And and when you speak about customer discovery, it's more than than me saying, "Hey, I make a mean meatloaf. Uh, my wife loves it. Uh, therefore, I need money to go sell my meatloaf throughout the land." Uh, you know, I. I assume when you say customer discovery, you're you're getting in front of you're trying to get some unbiased opinions from people in terms of do I like it, will I buy it, what would I pay for it, you know that that sort of information is is what you're looking for. Exactly, Jeff. And to your point, the target market. So I'd, if if I'm uh, I'm not testing meatloaf with vegetarians, you know, for example. <laughs> they hated it. Or my aunt or uncle, right? Okay. It would be the target market that we call it the avatar. Who's your ideal? target market, mm-hmm. identify them, go have the interviews, you know, et cetera, 
you know, the old days, we would go into a closet perhaps and do R&D, build a product, and hope that someone would do it. Right. Right. Now that time that would normally be spent in R&D really needs to be spent in the market testing whether someone, as you just said, will want it, buy it, at what price, et cetera. And we've had good experience in this in the various startup um, events around the state, you know, et cetera, where the folks that stand up and say they have done the following, interviewed this many people, they validated the pricing, et cetera. You now have more of a poker hand in front of folks when you're raising capital than if you've not done that. Hello, this is Chris from the Foot Candle Film Podcast. Are you interested in promoting your business to an online audience? Your ad could be right here. Consider advertising on the Mesh Podcast Network. Head over to the mesh.tv for details. If I'm if I'm in startup mode um, and I've not generated any revenue yet, mm-hmm. you know, is are, are are banks going to talk to me, or am I, should I be talking to equity people, or, or am I more in the friends and family uh, boat, or what's mm-hmm. any, or sometimes it depends. You know, how do you how do you you know if I'm not generating generating any revenue yet, mm-hmm. how uh, any advice on where I should be, who, whose door should I be knocking on? Sure. Again, the pyramid of capitalism, right? The pyramid of access to capital at the lowest level, the easiest level, the friendliest level. Your for your money, number one. Uh, Jeff's not Jeff's money. I don't mean that. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. It's, I mean, Gary's here. Maybe Gary's here. I need some money. money. No, I need some money, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. When you're a czar, you really probably have like a big bankroll. Come on. But the the investment of the entrepreneur or the owner and friends and family is a fine source, traditional way of getting that initial well, capital. You're, you're being kind in that, uh, you know, I, I think that when, when I've heard you present this before, you mentioned three Fs, friends, family, and there was one other. Fools. Fools. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's, ideally, Gary, that's Gary's money. Oh, okay. <laughs> ideally, it's not the last one. Okay. Uh, the reason is, and the reason why that it even works, right, it's the startup costs are you know, enough to get us traction in the market, test that people really you know, may buy this thing, need to build my minimum viable product at least. Um, but at the other hand, the terms of the, that money, whether it's from Uncle Joe in Nebraska or Aunt Susie, wherever, um, are friendly. That's the point of, of friends and family, right? So that if I planned on paying you back in three years and, Hey, Uncle Joe, things haven't you know, slowed down. I can have that conversation and modify the terms or not worry about paying them back or forgiveness is a big thing. It could be some uncomfortable Thanksgiving dinners, but we'll, we exactly can work, right. we'll, we'll work but around forgiveness that. Forgiveness goes a long way with raising capital. Better than the bank calling and saying. Rather than the bank saying, yes, I did. And there's no Thanksgiving What's dinner. No Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking your turkey. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no banks, early stage companies. Uh, you know, the banks you know, won't really be interested most of the time. So, so uh, when, when it comes to equity investment, and you mentioned angel investors before, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, and I guess for, for better or worse, we're part of the Shark Tank generation that uh, you know, watches the TV show and, and, and uh, you know, sees the sharks say, I'll give you $100,000 for 20% of your company or, or, or whatever it may be. You, you know, when, it, when it comes to equity investors, you know, what, what are they looking for and are, who are candidates to be uh, reaching out to angel investors or other or equity type uh, uh, options? 
Great, Jeff. Yeah, I'll play off the Shark Tank thing. I mean, if you've watched any of the episodes of that, you find even the common denominator is if you don't have customers or you do not have paying customers and uh, it's past the minimum viable product stage, then usually equity investors aren't going to be interested, right? Because that's what's changed the most, in my opinion, over the past you know, 10 years. Uh, business plans used to be speculative investing, you know, et cetera. Um, but now it's, have you built a minimum product? Have you acquired some customers? What's been the result of that? And then the equity investors are looking to help you scale that or bend that into a growth curve based on the fact that you've got some traction, you know, in the market. So there are, um, as you just also alluded to, but just for the listeners' sake, in the in the areas of North Carolina, there are angel groups uh, made up of uh, investors uh, that uh, are either, in one case, either learning to invest or actually are investing. Um, and those are viable groups. They have their own gates and qualifications for you to even get a meeting with them, one of which is if you don't have traction or certain customers, uh, you can't get the meeting. The other uh, are, at least in North Carolina, uh, groups like NC Idea, uh, again, uh, another funding source, uh, kind of a, a, if you will, a, a way of aggregating uh, multiple investors into one methodology. And then you've also got the ability to do crowdfunding, uh, which is yet another way, uh, especially if it's a consumer product. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, to, to even do crowdfunding, if you must, we used to always coach clients, we have to write a check to do crowdfunding. <laughs> so I'm going to have to have capital to prepare for the whole crowdfunding campaign, kind of a prime the pump. It's, it's, it's not like I just go on Kickstarter to this afternoon and say, uh, here it is, uh, you know, line right up. You're really, yeah, you, 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 you've primed the pump is probably the right term there. Yeah, it's actually, not to get into details maybe for this session, but you know, it's a 30 to 60 day planning session, finding the marketing influencers, et cetera, letting know we're going to launch on the crowdfunding site, all certain, all of that, right? Sending them samples of your, Product, et cetera. So, to your point, it's it's, it's writing some checks for that, and uh, you have to have the runway to make crowdfunding really work. Any, any, you know, as, as we sort of wind down a little bit, you know, are there any uh, uh, common mistakes that you see people make when they're approaching potential funders, lenders uh, that? Uh, that you see on a regular basis, any 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 common common uh, things people are doing wrong out there? Absolutely. Um, today, because a lot of the sources of capital, you may be talking to a Jeff Newell or Gary, but really the people that maybe make the decision aren't even in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have a clear written financial plan as to why do I need the money, uh, uh, how will I use it, uh, how will they be paid back. And then have then a verbal, so that's your written plan. Mm-hmm. And then if, back to the shark tank or the vernacular of pitch, mm-hmm. right? The, even pitch competitions are all around the country now. And again, these are these five to six minute slide deck, rehearsed, scripted. And that those words, and this is a, back to your point of what do you see, those words, verbal words, have to match the written words and tie to the financials 
And what we see is that not happening, right? And if it's not well rehearsed, not the plan, the verbal plan, not matching the written plan, and being concise, so that and then so practice is is great in mm-hmm. that scenario. We have some clients that are really rocking where they're in their third pitch competition, right? They traveled to this city, went through the whole journey, traveled to another city. They're serious about raising capital. In one case, they may not have. But what they're gaining and they're getting better at is this written plan, financial plan, and their pitch. And telling the story. Telling the story, yeah. So so you have to have both substance in your plan as well as some style in your presentation? Wow. Substance and style? <laughs> If you don't, as the inventor, go look for a partner, right, who can. We've seen this in business all along. Mm-hmm. This is not, you know, we say entrepreneur, but it doesn't have to be a solo event, right? Right. You, have a, you can grab yourself a team um, that buys in, and obviously it can be added value mm-hmm. to your idea. And then maybe, you know, in your two case, maybe it's Gary really doing the pitch because you're not very good at it. You know? Well, thanks. That's, no, I'm making that. Yeah, it's the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. We appreciate that, Ron. Uh, let's get rid of him, would you? <laughs> I sound pretty good to me. Okay. <laughs> but well, it is the other way around. Jeff is the pitcher. Well, well I, I, you know, and I, but, but I, I think that the team aspect, you know, how, let, let me throw this at you. How much weight does a bank or, or, or equity people put into the team? You know, because I, I, I get the sense that that's a very important part. You know, if, if, if I have industry experience, I think I get a few check marks there. If, if, I'm, if I'm trying to get into a new industry that I really don't have experience in and I haven't put together a team or, or some people that uh, know their way around the industry, I, I feel like I'm at disadvantage. Absolutely. Matter of fact, in this financial plan template, which we have and you have, and we can help clients develop, you'll find investors in the meeting flipping quickly to the third page, which is the description of the management team. Right? I come from Silicon Valley, you know, prior to uh, prior to the uh, private equity thing that you introduced, and you would watch those pitches there. There it is they're funding the management team out there. Frankly, mm. if they've done lawyers.com, they'll probably be able to do xyz.com, mm. right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, to your point, even in, at our level of uh, small businesses, you've got to have a team. If I'm going to give you money, then I would, and I think you're a great inventor, I would really like to meet who's managing the money, right? Or who is doing business development. Right. Right. Yeah. And so the team of business development, the product person, and the finance side, bookkeeper, controller, that right there is a kind of a minimum team that ideally, as you said, almost essential. Have you done this before is the elephant in the room, right? And do you have the qualifications to probably pull this off so that they can weigh the risk of your ability to pull this off? And I suspect that we've all seen, and you guys have probably seen it more than I because I'm much more youthful than either of you, uh, that uh, yes, you know, someone starting the business knows the technical aspects of the business, knows the product, knows the service, but is not always the person that can handle the business development, the sales end of things. You know, to, you know, to, and to, you to, see yeah. that quite often, actually, when you have the inventor, let's call it, mm-hmm. or founder – and then the founder wants to grow the business, and we know of at least three major aspects of business. They have to have some humility 
and uh, to say that I need a partner to actually execute this, like in your case, the example of the business development cycle. If you're invented, a, we had a, you know, a client, a uh, great product, um, but it's in the, it would be sold into the C-suite of Fortune 500 companies, right? And the question is, one, have you even been in one? Right? <laughs> and two, ever had a conversation at that level? So again, you, would, you should want to assemble your team, right, with your solution. And then this team together, you know, goes to market. Yeah. Well, Ron, you, you've given us a lot of great information to chew on that we very much appreciate. If people want to find you or want to find the SBTDC, where should they be looking? Great. And we do have uh, along your, uh, we do have uh, booklets on arranging financing and guides and, and people. Just go to www.sbtdc.org. And right there on the very front page of that website is a, a tab called Request Counseling. And then of the 10 centers in North Carolina, um, you're speaking to, you know, the Hickory Boone uh, Center. But you can pick uh, the uh, center that fits your geographic uh, map. What right? if I'm in California? Huh? Can I, can I, what if I'm in California, can I still call you? You can. <laughs> If you're in California, you call me and I'll point you to where in California. Okay. But the, each of the states in the United States has, a, to your point, an SBDC or SBTDC, and they should look them up in their state to get this kind of assistance. And, and, and I, just to, to, to give a little shout out to SBTDC, you, you mentioned booklets or some of the information. I do believe that you can access some of that information from your website, regardless of whether you're in North Carolina or California or even New Jersey, I suspect. So <laughs> Great point. They are in the resource tab of that, the and it's some PDFs, good, workbooks. Yeah, some yeah. good stuff, whether it be capital, whether it be starting a business, whether it be doing market research, there's some, there's some good information out there. Very good. So, yes. Anyway. Ron, so we, we appreciate you being here. We're, we're going we're gonna to play our lightning round with you if you're up for okay, it. Okay, I'm good. Okay, Thank you, guys. Yeah, so, been, uh, good. so anyway, so these, are, these are quick questions, and it's, it's uh, brought to us by Ned Ryerson Insurance, which provides whole life, home, auto, wind, storm. You can never have enough insurance. Check out Ned Ryerson Insurance. You should Google it, particularly Peter Weiss. You should Google it. But, Ron, we have some uh, quick questions for you, so don't, don't think too much. Just, you just, just respond. So our first question is, what is your favorite vacation spot? The mountains of North Carolina, Banner Elk. Okay. Is a hot dog a sandwich, yes or no? Yes. Movie preferences, Godfather, Star Wars, or Harry Potter? Star Wars. Okay. All right. What is your favorite holiday? Christmas. I asked this question because I know a little bit about you. If you had to choose the Indiana Hoosiers or the Carolina Panthers. Ooh, tough one, Jeff. You hit the nail. Um, I would say definitely Indiana Hoosiers, um, but we're both I th- good Panther fans. Okay, so all right. Loyal to the hometown. Yeah. Our last question for you, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Wisdom. Wisdom. Well, you perhaps you already, you have, already that. have that. <laughs> <laughs> more. Well, more wisdom. Okay, we'll grant you that. All right. Well, we appreciate you being on uh, on the Entrepreneur Exchange today. And uh, as Ron said, you, if you go to sbtdc.org, you can learn more about his organization, and you can probably track him down that way as well. So, uh, so check out Ron and the SBTDC. 
We like to wind up with our small business of the month feature, and uh, this is where we sort of give a shout out or, or uh, highlight uh, interesting businesses that we come across. Ron, do you have uh, anything you want to throw out there and, and share with our listeners today? Well, this is a bit of a niche, um, but we've um, got a young man here in uh, Hickory that specializes, believe it or not, there is a solution to getting fur off of an animal to yarn. Think about that, right? So if it's on a... Uh, my dog not a, not that fur <laughs> okay but if you were on a, you know a, a llama or whatever and it, you want to make that into very attractive yarn etc high demand high price um, there is a whole series of um, fiber and weaving techniques machines etc so young man uh uh, you can grow a business by either organically growing it or buying business a business. So this young man was a, very good at that and identified a business in Virginia uh, to buy. It's going to uh, strouch fiber, mm-hmm. and they've moved themselves here into Hickory, uh, a viable business, uh, to hundreds of customers around the nation. Uh, I don't know much about yarn and knitting and all of the aspects uh, mm-hmm. of that, but this niche business has great margins. Uh, the business is doing great, um, and we just wish him the best going forward. Well, that's great. That's great. I mean, it's, it's Strouch. How, what, what is the name of the business? Strouch Fiber. Strouch Fiber. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, exactly. People should check that one out. Okay. I didn't know we had llamas around here. I know. Yeah. Oh, in the mountains, yeah. At the farms. <laughs> Could be your next uh, birthday present. <laughs> Thank so. you. I appreciate that. All right, Gary, what, uh, what's your small business this month? Well, my small business idea of the month, maybe not necessarily small anymore, is Fresh Patch, which has been featured on Shark Tank, Oprah's favorite things, and also NBC. Do you know what Fresh Patch is by any chance? No, I do not. It's a really good idea that I wanted to bring up for pet owners. It's a product to give dogs and cats the opportunity to go to the bathroom on real grass even when it may be inconvenient for them or the owner, such as living in a condo or something like that. Really makes sense. I watched it on uh, one of the TV shows, and I go, it's a cutting out of like a three-by-three patch of grass. Depending on the size of your dog or your animal, it can get big or smaller. But you uh, order this, comes to your house, rolled up, you unroll it, um, put it down, Use it for a week or so, depending on, I guess, how long you can stand it. And then when you're done, you call or you get uh, periodic orders that comes every week or so, and you can have fresh patch. And so your animal can have that fresh experience. And it's uh, bio, uh, what's the word? Healthy. It's got yeah. the chemicals, so it's biodegradable. And, and, and now, do I put the patch in my living room, or do I you put can, it outside, or you can put it like on me? the porch? You okay. can put it wherever you want. If you're wanting to uh, house train your dog, you okay. can use that, or you can put it anywhere in the house. All right. Fresh. Patch. I thought it was a really clever idea. Okay. It seems to be it's probably expensive. They said the small patch is about twenty six dollars. So I guess if you did it once a week, that's uh, no fair expense, but. To give them the real experience and not have to worry about taking them out late at night or whatever if you're in a condo. Well, well, I, yeah, we 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 don't we don't rehearse or share no, what our don't. small businesses of the month are before we get here, and and mine is very 
is very much related to to yours, and you know, and, and Ron is you know shaving yarn off animals. Yeah, so, that's so, what you know, these are sort of a motif exactly. here. So, <laughs> so I, I uh, found this article in Business North Carolina magazine about a, a company, and and usually I write up a little thing, but I I I, I just sort of wanted to read it because I I thought it's it's very very well written. So this is about a, a company. Uh, called uh, Kepley Canine. But anyway, I'm going to read this. It's 5 a.m. You wake up to a slobbery tongue licking your face, and you know what that means. It's time to take the dog out, whether you like it or not. You step outside, groggily, still rocking a pair of pajama pants and slippers. Five minutes pass, then ten. At this point, you're frustrated. Just go already, you urge Fido. But he's taking his sweet time, seemingly sniffing every single leaf, rock, and stick before finally selecting a place to do his business. What if there was a product that relieves the annoyingly long amount of time it takes your dog to, well, relieve himself? Greensboro-based life science startup Kepley Biosystems Incorporated has developed a solution to every dog owner's crappiest problem. Their word, not mine. The business, founded in 2013 by biologists Anthony Dellinger and Chris Kepley and veteran business executive Terry Brady created Kepley K9 Strategic Scent Stimulant, which boasts a solution of botanicals that mimic naturally occurring molecules dogs seek when finding a spot to go. Owners simply apply a drop of the scent stimulant to their dog's paw. The smell releases a plume of scents that provide dogs with the molecules needed to stimulate defecation, when they're outside, the scent molecules bind with receptors in the dog's nasal cavity. Those nerves transfer responses, responses that go directly to the brain and trigger an involuntary constriction and relaxation of muscles in the dog's behind. And suddenly, Fido does his thing. Kepley K9 Strategic Scent Simulant uh, is available on Amazon. They're doing an Indigo crowdfunding campaign, which aims to raise $15,000. It's being now produced by the Joint School of Nanoscience and Nanoengineering and Greensboro's Gateway Research Park North Campus here in North Carolina. So you can check them out at KeplyK9.com. And I think I checked it out. I think it was $19.99 on Amazon for, I think, a three-month supply. So between having the patch to, to go and this, this, you know, we can take care of our dog issues, and then, then we can turn their fur into yarn. Yeah. Uh, it, it all, yeah, it all comes together beautifully. Jeff, it's a little worrisome. We are we don't ever talk about these things, but more often now we're coming up with related products. Well, usually I figure you're going to be food related. Yeah, you know, food or do, food or know, pets. That's uh, usually it. That's yeah. true. So anyway, well, we appreciate everyone listening today. We want to, uh, th- again, Ron, thank you very much for you're joining welcome. us. And, and, Thanks for and what you're doing. Appreciate the work that yes. you do with SBTDC. We want to thank uh, the Mesh Network. You should check out all the podcasts from the Mesh at the, the mesh.tv. You can subscribe, subscribe to the Entrepreneur Exchange or any of the Mesh podcasts by visiting iTunes and many of the usual suspect podcast sites. Uh, We appreciate you listening, and we look forward to catching up with you again next month. Have a good one. Take care.
You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.